Now to God who is able to strengthen you by way of my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, and in harmony with the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. May this be to us a sounding from the end of the world as we know it. Hello and welcome to the Lectio Cascadia podcast. My name is Brandon Rhodes and I'm glad you're here. Thank you to Brock Didis for this fourth and final uh, Advent music. You can find him on the interwebs under the handle at Brockmon, spelling that, and the link is in the show notes. So here we are, three weeks into the new year of sacred time in the Jesus tradition anyway. Remember that? Yeah. Um, How history, uh, three episodes ago we talked about, is inaugurated in desire. Calendars turn on our longing. We talked about how like I, the royal we, um, talked about how time begins at the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, well, here we are on the final Sunday of this Advent season, the short longing season, and what in the world does today's reading have to do with any of that? Everything, I think. Uh, This excerpt is the finale to one of the most cherished letters in the whole sacred library we call the Christian scriptures. It's it's a deeply pastoral letter, or God, what's another? It's another word for pastoral. Uh, it's a heartfelt letter written for a very specific challenge in the life together of the little huddles of Jesus followers in the imperial capital of Rome. And you know, it was the challenge of the first generation of the Jesus movement. Namely, can one pledge their allegiance to Jesus, who's also the king of the Jews, the anointed one of the children of Abraham, without culturally converting to the culture of Jewish folk and the children of Abraham? So they had all these arguments that spread across, it's all over Christian scriptures, exploring this question from like every side. Do the dudes have to get circumcised? Can any of us eat pork? What about meat that someone else sacrificed to to an idol, which is really a common way of getting meat, especially at a bargain? Like, what about what about Jesus following Jews? Can, can we share the sacred intimacy of a dinner table with those that Jewish faithfulness said was impure? Like, can... Can Jewish Jesus followers, what do they do with their own restrictions? And then what about those who are kind of grafted into this King Jesus movement? On and on it went. So much language that you may be used to from this tradition emerged from this like massive argument. It wasn't about how to go to heaven when you die. It wasn't about the vertical. It was about the horizontal. Law and grace, faith and works, righteousness and justification and sanctification. They're all ways of asking who belongs, how do we know, what do we do next, and what does it mean for me? 
So check it out. That doesn't mean that these letters from Paul only speak to that question or to those people. See, his wisdom is much deeper and stranger than that. He doesn't even strong-arm them about it. He appeals to the story, retelling it in this amazing way. Uh, God, I love if this podcast weren't following the rhythm received by the church. There is a part of me that would just love to explore this whole letter to show this to you. Um, But I can't (laughs) yet. Maybe I'll do a side podcast. Anyway, the that question and challenge is always going to be a familiar one. It's the question every sacred every sacred huddle faces. What do we do with those who's who culturally don't align with what we've taken for granted, whose bodies and experiences and trauma um, is different from what we uh, just take what we're used to? More pointedly, what do we do with those whose full belonging and dignity? would be in tension with the world as we know it? What do we do with those whose full belonging and dignity are in tension with the customs and words we're pretty sure came from God that give us a security and a hope and a story together? You know, like queer folk or women or pacifists or Jews or black folk or indigenous folk. How much do they, quote-unquote, have to become, quote-unquote, like us to find belonging in a band of practitioners in this Jesus way. See, the, the Christian scriptures are fundamentally uh, a story of rupturing cultural boundaries with an eye to belonging, dignity, and liberation launched by Jesus. So throughout the letter to those in Rome, Paul goes way deeper into this challenge than how I've often heard this question posed. It's, it's more than, well, God is love. So, you know, don't be a dick. Love. Um, or Jesus was about inclusion, dude. So, so should we. I mean, yeah, well and good. God is love. Jesus was about something like inclusion um, as part of something bigger he was about. <laughs> um and like holy forking shirt balls that those answers should like be enough but yeah paul's arguments are way more nuanced than that and man, again i wish i could just have a whole podcast about this but he's setting up this template for us to follow that can help us navigate all of our modern questions of how to live a life together that expresses this vast deep holy belonging that hums at the center of the universe from birth to the f- beyond the future. <laughs> uh, we're going to figure out how to have that show up in our life together. And his arguments through one particular question can help inform how we do that in our own day and time. And to begin with, I mean, look at his name for this reality, the mystery, or in this case, the revelation of the mystery. Uh, he uses this language in one or two of the other uh, of his letters that we still have around. And the mystery is that the Jesus community is the community whose boundaries are always being ruptured. In his day, it was being the Jew and Gentile community instead of just one ethnicity. It was, it was a, a pan-ethnic 
tradition. And that's a, that notion of the mystery being ex, um, our identity for those of us who, who are trying to figure out how to be part of this tradition. Um, kind of our, it's kind of on our business card, right? Like we're the, the boundary rupturing people. We're not a safe place. We're a place where any exclusion isn't safe, where liberation for all is slowly being discovered and we're constantly turning from anything that would hold us back from that. This is absolutely scandalous. The prophets and scriptures he's talking about seem pretty damn clear that when the Messiah comes, when the Christ, the anointed one, arrives, he kicks Gentile ass, right? And the Gentiles, who do come along for the ride, are kind of secondary citizens. It's one ethnicity on top. There's a few hints of there being something more interesting happening, but this is just a massive scandal. The mystery is a plot twist that takes form in a people. And it was a threat to all the rhythms and agreements and structures of security and stability that they had and that we have. The idea that folks would be grafted in as equals without the things we all do, like circumcision or Sabbath or dietary restrictions, that's a threat to the world as we know it. Which is, you know, how hope works, how longing works, how desire works, right? To long, to hope, to desire is fundamentally to um, pine for an end to what we've got so far um, or an end to the permanence of what we understand so far that there's a moreness to this whole thing. So when we look towards Christmas, when we long toward the manger for a humanity of love and liberation and a healed cosmos, we're hoping for the extension of that mystery indefinitely. As uh, the Jewish folk uh, sorted out how to get on board with the mystery in their day, in the face of Gentiles, so also we get to be on board with the mystery's continued advance and unfolding in our day, this slowly, steadily expanding, um, almost the pealing of a bell going forth uh, throughout the cosmos, through our hearts and households and workplaces and neighborhoods and watersheds, constantly asking us the question, what's holding you back? from the full belovedness of this other person. Yeah. What are you what is it that you're clinging to that gives you security, that gives you predictability? What is it about their marriage? What is it about their music? What is it about their diet? Or how they get around with or without a car? What is it about their body? What is it about the story they have to say about their body? What is it about the language they speak that's a threat to you? See, if you're part of the mystery community, 
you don't have a choice but to continually hold these questions open, whether you're liberal, conservative, or anything else. It's the constant, steady work. It's almost like, you know, I used the language of grafted in earlier. It's almost like we must have a sacred discipline of cleaving some of our bark open in trust and anticipation that the divine is going to graft more in. That's true of us as individuals. It's true of us, for those of us who live in some sense of baptismal covenants or rule of life. Um, yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to culturally convert to follow Jesus. In that following, though, like a lot of our received culture is going to be confronted. All that strokes ego and dehumanizes others, objectifies anything that sees the it instead of the thou, that resists love and hides in fear and builds up empires, all that is violent and false. In other words, um, yeah, it's going to melt away. That's the cultural conversion. We're not converted into any culture. We're conformed to the image of the divine as it is radiated in the face of the Christ Jesus, as Paul says in another one of his letters. That's the cultural conversion, not to Jewish custom or Americana or woke purity, but to whatever good and pure and true thing. That is it. So some parts of our own culture may be uplifted, some may be deepened, but a lot may molt away in our maturing, right? Like taking security and owning guns or objectifying and exploitive forms of sexuality, or thinking you need to defend what it means to be a man or a woman. Like, blah, that's just taking seats away from the table, y'all. You gotta grow beyond that. These things will only stand in the way of the mystery taking shape in us, in our day. This isn't a side quest. It's not optional to the full vision of human flourishing in the Jesus way. It's the main quest. It's the proof in the pudding. Paul says it here plainly including and in transcending our distinctions or rather including and in transcend including our distinctions and tr as we transcend our divisions ooh that's it that's exactly it including our distinctions as we transcend our divisions is ex is expressive of and baked fully into this good news about Jesus I'm, that Paul says he's all about the mystery is bound up in the gospel, and the gospel is bound up in the mystery, and the mystery is bound up in a people. So when you long for Christmas Day, when you pine for divine presence, when you long for the end of the world, remember with this passage, the end of the world as you know it, whose end you long for, may be your own. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence. And may the peace of Christ be with you.